I would not rule anything out with the Deshaun Watson situation at all. A settlement would probably accelerate things, cause everyone to declare what they actually want to do. Like I speculate, I go probably go buy Bitcoin, focus on that. It doesn't really matter what round he's drafted in, where he comes from, or how he gets here. It's about what you do when you're here. You don't really know it until you actually see it and they actually get here. Right? Again, once you kind of get into that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I mean, you could probably lump fifth to free agents, you know, undrafted free agents in the same bucket. But hopefully there's enough players to get you to the end point. There's probably going to be some good players that weren't drafted. I mean, it happens all the time. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. And it's draft week. Perhaps the first chance the Texans have got to turn the page into the new Nick Casario era with eight picks slated. What's the best we can hope for? Well, I think it's it's been telling in some of Casario's comments that he saw the fifth round onwards to the undrafted free agents, all of a similar talent pool. He talked about them being 50-50 prop bets and it's... It's hard to disagree with them in that sense, but I think there's there's definitely a lot to be a lot to look forward to. I think it's a relief from foot a relief from non football issues that have surrounded this team all off season and you kinda get to walk in a bit of the light of football and what it should be about really. So that I think from that point of view it's a bit of escapism and we can hopefully find some gems and it gives every team hope. Um Albeit having picked 67 onwards, that hope has reduced slightly, but there is hope for the Texans to to start to turn the page uh, and bring in new positions. Now, I think apart from the two tackle spots, over-invested in Charlie Eck, fourth-round pick last year, didn't play bring back Rod Johnson. It wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense to bring a tackle in unless you're going to trade one of those guys out that you've got for some capital in return and uh, looking at the restructuring. Tunsil's contract, that's not really going to yield any great return. I think you're kind of saddled with that. Titus Howard potentially, but then again, he's unproven, never played a full season. So you've got to think that that position is one that they are least likely to draft it unless a player falls to them that is too good to pass up and they'll have to just take take him there and then. So there's a they can go anyway. I think this roster is so threadbare of ta- of genuine starter caliber talent. Despite all the players that Casario has brought in, you know, three to seven year experience guys, most of them journeymen. Most of them aren't really going to change the dynamic of your football team. Bar perhaps Philip Lindsay, Desmond King, and Shaq Lawson. I think all those guys those guys have got a chance to be you know semi decent starter impacts type players but the rest are all up for grabs I think any position the Texans can find across the roster on either side of the ball is got to be welcomed and I think it'll be interesting to see how Nick plays the draft and how he plays the board and of course a lot of it is how it falls falls to you and what players go ahead of you and how you rate players for your scheme and system, etc., versus other players. But I, I think based on what we've seen, he will move around the board. I can't see him just sitting at those eight picks and just letting the ball the, the board fall. And I think I put out a tweet today as an example of kind of the moves that I thought he could make. 
Um, and I'll talk you through that. So I think if, just say, for example, there's a guy, a corner or a, or an edge rusher, a front seven player that falls to the back of the back of the second round, Houston aren't on the clock till 67. Say we're getting into the you know mid to high 50 picks there. In this scenario, they could trade up, give up 67, and two of their sixth, two, there's three picks in the sixth round, give two of those up to go and get a guy who's, you know, they may, may have a late first, early second round grade on and go and get that guy and fill a need. So that there's an aggressive move to step up and tackle a, a player. Because I think of the eight picks, I don't expect the Texans to take eight picks, predominantly because they're in the latter half of the round, based on the comment Nick Casario made about fifth, fifth round onwards. So I think there's a lot of room to manoeuvre upwards um, and slightly downwards to a point um, to get value. But I don't expect the Texans to have drafted eight players, considering the amount of guys they've got in the roster just now, considering the value that can be found. Not always, but it certainly does turn up once every few years for each franchise, an undrafted guy that can come in at a cheap deal and potentially take a roster spot and, and be here to be groomed and developed. So then by making that first move up into the second, the Texans they trade back out of the 109th, um, move later into the fourth round and give an extra and then pick up an extra fifth and seventh from the team that are moving up to the to the top of the fourth. The Texans would then take that pick, it's just kind of best player available at that point. And then they would slide back down a bit. Um and you see a couple of guys there that are falling that are, you know, that they've got sort of mid to late second round grades on in the fourth round, there's a glut, you know, there's a gluttony of talent at certain positions. In this example, say it's wide receiver. That the Texans could easily then give up their two fifths and a seventh to get back in to the, you know, the back end sort of mid to late fourth round. You'd take two guys in the fourth round in total. So by doing that, I think that's an opportunity to pick up three guys who are more than capable of starting this season and then that would then give you the fifth game you could pick that up and, and just take bpa at that point you've still got one of your six there left and a seventh so you walk home with six picks over the over the day but only only one of them that was one of the picks that you actually started the day with and i expect to see casario operate like that um and we'll, and we'll see uh, how he does he may well just sit there brian gain-esque and just let it all fall and, and take the pick there but I expect them to move around and it's hopefully it can make it a bit of an interesting pick. And we've gone through a lot of names in the last three weeks in terms of guys you can look for. But generally this team can go any pick in any direction and more than likely will improve the football team. I don't think Deshaun gets traded this week. It seemed, you know, minimal minimalistic chance at best. I think this legal process will continue to play out and and he'll be a Texan, perhaps on the commissioner's exempt list, perhaps on a holdout, and we'll not see Deshaun for this season, I wouldn't think. Um, if they do settle, um, as we said in the, the intro, the, the clip from Ian Rappaport, then that allows the things to move on. But until that settlement comes, then I think that'll be a while. Um, if Deshaun's side are dug in and I wrote an article on podcasttexas.com last week about how Deshaun had been ill advised and if he, if his team 
and in his, his advisory group are dug in wanting to prove these allegations to be false, then this could go on for a number of years. And how? But then I think the question is right. Okay, you want to you want to hold and you want to make sure you're principled in your stance and you don't want to be defeated in that stance. But I think subsequently that's going to have a knock-on effect on his on his suspension of the league and how how do they how long do they wait to wield that axe and you know holding out to be proven not guilty if that's your belief in court might not be the viable option regardless of the evidence regardless of the beliefs that maybe not not just a feasible option for them to take so i think they, they probably have to be smarter than that and, and finding all the evidence, it's, you know, it's, it's gone back and forth, all played out in the court of public opinion. And Rusty Harden's obviously coming at a later stage because I think he was ill-advised and he showed that email that came out um, that, that his agency athletes first had the chance to tackle this proactively at a very early stage and chose not to. So there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of room for manoeuvre of this of this situation to go incredibly worse than it already has and also could they put a lid on it and move on in a footballing sense if they can come to it to a to a conclusion and agreement with all parties via the, the Harris County Court legal structure in a civil case. So that that continues to go. So I don't think we'll see any movement on that. That story may bob its head up and down, but certainly any momentum any, there was a, a list of eight teams that were all supposedly interested at one point. Most of that interest had been muted, or the, those teams have decided to move on in other ways. Then this story is not going away, but we'll see we'll see where it ends up in the in the coming days. But that being said, I do think for Nick Casario's own sanity, he's probably going to have one real go at this as a general manager, then, you know, is there a way they can use this situation to try and drive a bit of a wedge between Watson and his, 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 his ill-advised thoughts of the agency and make that point that they could then use his platform, their custodians of the city of Houston, and could, could, could they then allow him as a Houston text move forward so as a platform for re rehabilitation and to, to, to devote time and effort to some of the causes directly um, or the charities directly related to some of the issues that he's been alleged with to, to have do, done wrongdoing towards, then there's an opportunity for that, taking that longer term view of this football team because the long term or the medium to long term view of this football team with Deshaun Watson is far better than the one without. And if, if the McNairs can't see that, if, if Casario isn't able to convince them of that, regardless of all this off-season stuff, once that's settled, I think there needs to be one last roll of the dice for the team to try and get the guy who's done wrong in this city, he's done wrong to the name of the club, to the name of the fan base, and of course to all these victims, again, allegedly. But it, whether it's true or not, every single allegation, the point is... He's distracted, he's taken his attention, he's taken the club's attention and the club's ability to move on, regarding you know, trade trade requests aside, he's taken that ability away to, to move on and, and try and rebuild this football team. And it had to do that this off season after a four win disastrous year, change of coach. And it would not be simply not being able to do that, they couldn't move on. 
he wanted out and then this this came down like a ton of bricks is stifled any momentum this team could have had to try and fix their issues this offseason so th- it's all been a bit of a sorry mess but the draft does present a really viable platform to to, to move forward and, and bring in some new players some new storylines good luck trying to remember this roster on game day by the time pre-season rolls around in August but it's going to be a huge level of turnover and looking like there will only be two players left for the 2017 draft um, Zach Cunningham probably going to be the only one that's on the field by the time games are actually played but it's it's certainly a huge change of the wind a change of the guard for this Houston Texans team and everything as we know it and that really starts on Friday night from pick 67 most likely uh, providing they don't trade up um, and, and it kind of starts there so exciting times in that sense There's a couple of rule changes again this announced by the league um, and the replay ref I think is a positive move I think if you remember the, the non-call pass interference with DeAndre Hopkins in Baltimore in 2019 okay the Texans weren't at the races but you know big decisions at certain points of the game can go against teams and change the the course of games may not change the end result but change the course of games in a dramatic fashion and certainly that call did that so with all the technology with all the camera angles with all the 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 assets available to the refereeing queue having that extra guy in the booth i think is a huge positive for the league and hopefully that'll mean some better some fairer calls and, and things just won't get missed um and i think it's a good resource with the technologies there so why not use it the onside kick adjustment again all the kind of safety process in the setup box so many guys per one side i mean the, the special teams rule changes continue to dwindle that part of the game and it certainly won't make much of a difference i don't think but that that part of the game kickoff returns are almost completely negated now uh, and i think it's it's certainly something that the league want to rule out and that's just another step towards that the jersey numbers is one i i i don't personally like i think when you watch the college game when you're trying to identify players, when you're trying to identify formations, when you see a guy with number seven on defense and you wonder, you know, you think, who's that guy? Where does he come from? What position? I know it's very fashionable. I know players like it. But for me, I understand what Tom Brady said because if you're a quarterback trying to set up the formation, make the checks at the line, different numbers and different formations is certainly going to be more difficult to try and assign and make sure the blocking make sure that the cover the coverage is right for depending on who's lined up along the line so uh, i think it's it's something that it's in the real grand scale of it seems like a very small issue but certainly in terms of for the traditionalists for the in terms of understanding the field and detail and who's in what position and how your offense lines up against the other defensive personnel and I think that may cause some issues and make some mistakes and I think because players simply won't be used to it it's certainly something that probably could have done without I don't think it adds anything greatly uh, all players that, that move on from their number have a financial commitment to the league and the league are protecting its fan base in that sense if you move on from the position then I think the player may well be bound or have some financial commitment um, towards that, the inventory of those jerseys. So the league never missing a trick and reminding you it's a business first and foremost. I think they call on taunting again, it'll be, uh, it's probably got a bit loose. And then the blocking, I think, below the waist as well, which hasn't come in yet. 
but certainly they're trying to get tighter on effectively eradicated chop blocks in the last couple of years. Another step towards that again under the banner of safety, which is understandable, but they're certainly looking to take away blocking it and it'll change the way linemen block at the line of scrimmage and in the run game and another tweak that players will have to adjust to. Um, so for a league that managed to affect what, in, in turn, what could actually be deemed a catch, continues to make some for the good under safety, but some other decisions that are perhaps questionable in terms of the product. But And as the NFL continues to make this product an all-year-round deal, the draft is one of the centrepieces of its calendar, and obviously the Texans not picking until 67. There's a lot of glamour and a lot of interesting storylines, non-Houston, I suppose we probably better get used to that notion, but there's certainly a lot of a lot of guys to be, uh, or a lot of guys to be picked up before the Texans are on the clock. But who goes first in the wide receiver ranks? Is it Jamar Chase, perhaps the most talented, or is speed still valued by clubs as we saw last year? Uh, Jalen Waddle potentially going. You think a guy like Kadarius Tony's going to go in the first round, just a gadget, pure athlete, going to make things happen on the offensive side of the ball. Who's the first cornerback going? Is it Sertan or is it JC Horn? Um, Horn, I think, maybe got potential upside. Sertan seems to be the more smoother, rounded athlete. So it's interesting in that sense. Is Pene Sanu, is he going to be the, the, the consensus number one? Is Rashan Slater Northwestern as that program continues to get more and more clout uh, with their coach Fitzpatrick? Is is there is there something there that will continue to see more players taken high from that program? Greg Newsom as well being the other corner back, most likely to be the fourth one off the board and I think going to be in the first round. Will there be any running backs taken? I think that's a big question that people are looking for in that sense. Potentially not as well. Trevor Lawrence at one and you've got to think it will be Zach Wilson at two and therefore after all that is still to be defined but certainly there'll be some general football intrigue as the Texans watch on and you just got to hope certain positions like tackle and things like that can push good guys down into the third round and it's not without the realms of possibility but certainly a show in Cleveland to be had and looking forward to seeing by the time the Texans are on the clock on this, the second half of day two on Friday then what are the players left on that options and there's 101 ways that they could go decipher over this weekend and it will be interesting to see if there are any teams that will trade players um, and how amenable they are to that when the, when the uncertainty of the cap going into next year and just quite how that will come back and how, how revenues will be affected by fans in the stadium. It's all systems go as far as the league are concerned, but it's still got a lot to play out. As you've seen, you can't take anything for granted. I think in COVID times, a lot is changeable. So I think teams may have some may have some or, or some others may have some more certainty about making those moves. We haven't seen a huge amount of trades. Obviously, Trent Williams won last year. was probably the most notable one. Josh Rose in the year prior. Um, so the, the, there, there may be some storylines like that. Perhaps the Texans could be involved in those. I wouldn't rule out Nick 
making any moves that he think has a chance to make the team better. I think this off-season will probably not see the same level of moves into the further seasons, but certainly the volume will continue to be high against the league average and we'll start to see more than 30 to 40% of this roster continue to turn over and we'll have in the region of you know, eight players new plus and you know a, a smaller class of undrafted free agents, um, but certainly a different approach and a different way of doing um, of of running this front office from the GM. And I'm still very critical of the amount of money that Casario spent and the amount of money that he's kicked in in future years with with these contracts. And I think that may harm us and that may cause more damage than good. Just effectively trial players who can come in and test out if they have a future in the league as a role player, a special teamer or what have you. Uh, but ultimately, if these guys perform one year, you're going to have to pay them more to bring them back anyway. So why do it on such scale? I understand the one and two year deals, um, short term investments, low risk. But actually, a lot of these guys aren't really high reward because the reason why they're why their base price is so low and why you can bring so many. I think I understand the premise, but doing so many on such a scale at a high volume has a financial impact when you're trying to fit under a salary cap. But look, I think Casario's come across as a, a smart guy, very organised. And now he, this is the first real test for him as a GM. This is GM season where they, they show and mark their legacy in, in 10 years at ball clubs and the draft is, is what builds a roster. Not free agency, but uh, but how you build a, a a sustainable roster is through the draft, and ultimately you want to draft your own guys, develop them, and pay them and keep them in house. The Texans have effectively started from a base of zero, so any player that can come in and do something is a benefit, and that's just where we are right now as a ball club, and that's the reality of it. Um, but looking forward to the draft. Hopefully, um, you got any thoughts, and you're out there watching on over the weekend then do get in touch our social media on instagram on facebook on twitter and make sure you know we're understanding it's going to be a long old season i think this year so please do reach out um any thoughts you got any any comments while you're watching it um great to hear from you thank you very much again for listening this off season feels like the first step and so we'll be coming back after the draft to talk about the picks where we've got um, and then the week following will be the schedule release so keep coming thick and fast we may take some weeks off over this off season but certainly each week as we go by continues to have a fair bit for us to get into but just a small couple of words here 20 minutes prior to the draft this week uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what Casario turns up. But thanks again for listening. Please check out the latest two articles on free agency, on Casario, on the whole Watson situation, the origins of social media and how that's implemented in that generation that Sean's part of. I suggest you read that and check that out and how it will all be remembered once it's said and done. But thanks again for listening. Please check us out at podcasttexans.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, and also on the interesting world of NFL Texans on Instagram. But thanks again, and we'll be speaking to you straight after the draft is finished next Tuesday. Mm-hmm.